And we're going to be looking at this morning First um, John chapter 4, verses 17 to 21. Um, I was looking up some of the, the, the dumbest fears that people have in this world. And are you ready for this? There's, this is actually a fear, if you can believe that. It's called hippopotmonostros echipodalia phobia. Anybody know what that means? The fear of long words. I had a fear saying that word. Boy, that was a knockout of a word. Really, that's one word. Um, there's actually some fears out there where people are scared to get peanut butter stuck in the top of their uh, roof of their mouth, and so they won't eat peanut butter. Somebody have that fear? Yeah, Rich has that fear. I mean, there's different fears in the world that we have um, that, that are absolutely amazing. Now, let me talk a little bit about some of the fears that hold people back in life. And this is going to step on a few toes here, but this is all of us here, not just you. This is some of us too. Uh, me too, um, I should say. Look at this. Fears that hold people back in life. One of them. Ready for this? Change. We hate that word. In fact, I saw a little cartoon. It was so cute. It says, how many want change? They all raise their hands. How many want to change? How many want change? How many want to change? Nobody wants to change. We hate change. It's scary. I remember we had our first work day here in, uh, I think it was 2015, and somebody was going around saying, why do we want to change? We're fine. We don't need to change. We're okay. Why change? Just the thought of change scares us. Look at this. Another sphere that holds us back is loneliness. Some people stay in bad relationships because they don't want to be lonely. They, won't, they don't want to. And let me just tell you, the fear of loneliness now in this world with social media, you know the people who are lonely. They're on social media all the time. And they try to fill their hearts with, 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 with social media because they're lonely. How about failure? Are you scared to fail? Uh, that holds us back. It's embarrassing to fail. Uh, try playing baseball, right? My son knows it. He fails six out of ten times. And that's good. That's a good player. I mean, baseball is tough, but you know, you, you, you get up there, you go, you swing at balls that are nowhere near anything, and you fail in front of everybody rooting for you and mommy and daddy screaming your name. And then telling them, like we know how to do it, hit the ball. It ain't easy. Failure is hard. And so we don't try to do anything that doesn't guarantee to have success. Because we don't want to fail. How about rejection? Why don't we witness to people? We're scared that they're going to reject us. I mean, if I tell them about my faith, they're not going to like me anymore. They may uh, take me off of Facebook. They may not be my friend. And so I don't want to get rejected. So I don't do anything. I don't say anything. I stay away from relationships. How about this? Uncertainty. That scares you. You know how 2023 is going to be? I don't. Scare you? There's a lot of uncertainties in this world. There's only one thing I know that's certain is a lot of things are uncertain. I don't know what is certain. It's just so uncertain. How's the economy going to be in 2023? Anyone know? How are your stocks going to be? How's your retirement fund? 
How are things going to be? Who's going to be here next year at the end of the year? Who's not? I don't know. There's a lot of things I don't know. A lot of uncertainty. Look at this one. Something bad happened. We are so scared that something bad's going to happen. I fear that. I fear that for my kids. I don't want anything bad to happen to them. And so we live in that fear. But here's the problem. We can't control what's going to happen. And so why live in that fear? But we're so fearful that something bad is going to happen. I just got that something bad's going to happen. That feeling that something bad's going to happen. We don't know. It could. It may not. How about another fear here? A fear of getting hurt. So we protect ourselves emotionally. We don't open up with anybody. We don't want anyone to know our true feelings because we don't want to get hurt. And then the last one here is being judged. You say, what does that do? That scares people from being their true selves. They're trying to please everybody and they're trying to go out there and just be liked by everybody that they don't want to see people to see their true selves. And so they're scared of being judged. You say, are these fears real? Yes, you better believe they're real. Do we struggle with them? We all struggle with them. Some people do drastic things because of these fears. Some people don't even leave their home because they're so scared. They're scared that something's going to happen. They may get sick. They may do this. They may get that. I remember when COVID first hit and I saw on the news this lady that wouldn't leave her home, nothing. And then somebody came and brought groceries to her house and she got COVID. She was scared and it still happened. Some people leave cities and leave, leave jobs because they're scared. Remember when 9-11 happened? How many New Yorkers left New York? They were scared. You hear about the couple that left New York and came, I forget where it was, right around here, somewhere around here, somewhere in this area, in these states here. And they were driving, they got into a car crash and died. They left New York to be safe and they came here to die. We were scared. They leave cities, they leave jobs. People kill people because they're scared or even kill themselves. And so fears are real and fears paralyze us. And here's the problem with fear. It just leads to more fear. Because by fear, I don't do what I should do. And then now I fear the consequences of not doing what I should have done. And now I'm even more scared. I remember the first time I went on a zip line. Anybody do that? <laughs> I thought me and myself, you know what I mean? No world body. Right? Guy wrapped me up, put me on that thing. I'm ready to go. I'm walking. I walked. Pl- Why do they have a platform, by the way? <laughs> They should just blindfold you and throw you out there, right? They make you walk this little thing. And then I looked down. And I stopped. I ain't jumping that. There's trees below me. These Air Force guys are like, what? He's a wimp. You know what I mean? We jump out of planes. Yeah, you could just jump out of planes. Keep jumping out of that. Who jumps out of a plane? But anyway, you, you look down. You're like, no, I don't want to go. Yeah, you're going. We, oh, there you go. It was actually fun. But that just little thing of looking down paralyzed me. Fears paralyze us. They stop us. So the question is, how do we overcome them? Well, let's look at this passage of Scripture. This is a beautiful passage of Scripture I want to show you here in 1 John chapter 4. This this is an amazing, amazing passage of Scripture. He says, by this, and he's talking about how we've experienced God's love and we have the Spirit of God inside of us. And he says, God's love, and he's talking about love here and how God's love flows from us. 
uh, to other people. He says, this is love. By this, love is perfected with us. Now, now, now don't miss this. What he's saying here is love has a goal. God's love has a goal. It, it wants to reach its goal. It wants to be perfected. You say, what in the world is God's love? What's the goal of God's love? I mean, why does he even love us? What's the goal? So we just feel it and just live our lives and thank God for his love? No, it has a goal. What's the goal? Here's what one guy says here. He said, God's love is perfected not through our perception of it or our experience of it, but through our what? Expression of it. Do you see it? God's love is not just meant for us. God's love is meant to flow through us to other people. And as we express God's love, it is perfected among us. It has reached its goal. In other words, if God's love just comes to us and it stays there, something's wrong. It needs to flow through us. And as we express God's love, it's amazing how it reaches the very goal it's supposed to reach. He says God's love reaches completion by the degree to which it is shared among us. Now watch this. By this, the love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence when? In the day of, ah, oh, this is great. Look at that. In the day of what? Are you excited about it? <laughs> Are you excited about the day you stand before God and see Him face to face where He knows everything about us? Are you, are you excited about going before the Holy God with your sinful self? I mean, we often get scared of that. Let me just tell you, for a believer, the judgment's going to be a lot different than for the unbeliever. For the believer, it's going to be kind of like an Olympic contest or kind of like a, a, a soccer tournament. Some people win, some people lose. The people who lose don't get beat up. They just go home without the reward. The people who win get the reward. That's the Bema seat. God's not going to say, oh, bam, 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 and beat us up. He's going to say, you did well. Here's your reward. Praise the Lord. Now, the other judgment, the white throne, you don't want to be there. That's where all our works are laid out. And we stand before God for all our works, everything that we've done, every thought, every evil thing that we've done. And we will be judged according to our works and not according to what Jesus has done. I don't want to be at that one and praise God I won't be. He's saying as your love is perfected in us, guess what? We have this confidence to stand before a holy God. Now somebody says, how in the world can we ever have confidence to stand before a holy God? Look at this verse. This is amazing here, verse 17. This is, this is incredible. It blew my socks off. Look at this. Because look what it says. Because as he is, notice what it says. So also are we in this world. Let me reread this. As he is, so also are we in this world. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's an incredible little line there. Because we've already read in chapter 3 that as Jesus is, one day we will be. Remember that? That's exciting, isn't it? When we'll have glorified bodies. It doesn't say that here. It says, as he is, we are now. Wait a minute. I don't know about you, but I ain't like no Jesus. 
Like that New York grammar? <laughs> my conduct ain't like no Jesus. My character ain't like no Jesus. So what in the world is John talking about here? Here's what he's talking about. As Jesus is the object of God's love, so are those who put their trust in him. Yes. Yes. So you have no reason to fear because he loves you. And you are a recipient of his love. And you can go bold before him and not worry about that judgment because of what? Because of his love. His love has come to us through the cross. It is amazing. We're going to talk about it here in a moment. But his love is here and he will always love us. And nothing will ever separate us from the very love of God. And he says, as he is, as Jesus is, the object of the Father's love, you too, right now, are the object of the Father's love. Now, here's what's amazing. No religion can ever give us that. None. Look what one guy says. No human religion can hold its own in, it, in the face of judgment. Think about that. Religion is trying to be right with God. When are we ever right enough with God? I don't know about you. <laughs> we can try and try and try, but no religion can ever make us feel secure. But here's what can but it is solely in the blood of Christ that we have confidence in the day of judgment. There it is. I can't believe my mom, just the change in her. But you know what she says lately? She says, Jeremy, I'm ready. I can go. I'm ready to go. I'm confident now. I know where I'm going. I'm okay. Here, here's a lady that wasn't saved for years in her life, never knew where she was, and now, now she knows for sure that she is confident to go see God. Why? Because she has a relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me just tell you, in the moments when you feel that, wow, when I stand before him, I'm in big trouble, don't think about that. Think about the very blood of Jesus Christ. As he is now, not as he was, as he is now the object of the Father's love, so are we in this world. Now watch this. This is amazing. Verse 18. Now there's no fear in love. Fear and love are like oil and water. They don't go together. They're like shrimp and lasagna. They don't work together. Amen? <laughs> Who does that? Wow, I can't believe it. Shrimp and lasagna. Don't do that. All right, you can do that. You're my father-in-law. You can do whatever you want, but... Oh! I know, I'm in big trouble. I know, yeah. Wait till you get married. You're in big trouble. You didn't know that was coming, huh? There's certain things that don't go together, all right? Fear and love don't go together. Why not? Well, we're going to see here in a moment. This is beautiful here. But fear and love are totally different. When we fear a circumstance, we shrink back. When we love, we go after it. And so fear and love cannot go together. They don't go together. In fact, look what it says here in verse 18. When love has reached its goal, that's perfect love. When love has reached its goal, guess what it does to fear? It drives it out. Now look at this word. This is beautiful. It kicks it out the door. Boom. Bah. There it goes. Look at the fear. See you later, fear. Boom. When love has reached its goal, Poof, you kick fear, and there it goes. It's gone. I love that. It's a beautiful. You like the little illustration there? The guy getting knocked out of the door. I like that. Get out of here. That's what you're doing. When you understand God's love, 
When love has reached your heart and understand the very love of God and it's flowing through you because it doesn't just stay with you, but it flows through you. When fears come, we just kick it right out the door. Why? Because we have nothing to fear. What is our grace? What's, what are we scared of? Well, I'll tell you what some people are scared of. They say, you know what? Maybe I'll go to hell when I die. Well, let me just tell you something. Fear involves punishment. You see that? You know, the first time I ever was called to the principal office? Guess how old I was? Five. I started young. I'll never forget. I will never forget. I'm 48 now. This was 43 years ago, and it's still in my mind. Jeremy, the principal wants to see you. Me? I don't remember what I did. I remember I was on the third floor. This was in New York City. And you had to go down to the principal's office. And I am weeping all the way down. The principal was like, oh. <laughs> I knock on the door. I don't want to go in. I'm in. <laughs> I'm weeping. <laughs> Walk in there. Why would they send a five-year-old to the principal's office anyway? I just shoot the school now. But anyway, I'm crying like crazy. I'm, I'm weeping. I don't even remember what I did. I just knew back then, are you ready for this? You got spanked in school. All right? Any kids? You, know, you guys are so spoiled. They had those wooden paddles back then. You know what I mean? I think I got a few that day. I don't remember if it was from him or my mom. I don't know who it was. But I got a few. I did something to deserve that. But going all the way down the stairs, all I could think about is he's going to beat me up. Let me just tell you, you can't love somebody when all you could think about is they're going to beat you up. But when you realize who they really are and you love God and you realize that, look at that word punishment. That is eternal punishment. That is hell there. When we realize that we are safe in the hands of God because of the blood of Jesus, we have no reason to fear that he's going to cast us into the pit of hell. And we can love him. We can love him. Yes. He says, fear, what does it do? When love has reached its goal, guess what? It kicks fear right out the door. It just drives it out. Why? Because fear involves punishment. When you're scared of God that he's going to throw you into eternal hell, you're not just talking. Now, don't take this verse out of context and say, okay, we're not to fear God at all and just live our lives and do anything. No, there's, there's some healthy fears out there. What he's talking about is fear of eternal hell. We have no reason to fear hell when we're in the hands of Christ. Now, you ought to fear his, his chastisement if we do something wrong. You ought to fear and reverence God. Yeah, that's something else. But the fear of going to hell? No. And look what he says here. And the one who is fearing that, guess what? Love has not reached its goal. We've missed it. We've missed it. When we live our lives fearing eternal judgment, we've missed it. And maybe it's because our faith isn't in Christ. And that's where it needs to be. Maybe we've, we, we don't understand his love. Maybe that's what it is. 
And so John, knowing that, here's what he does. This is amazing. He, he knows that sometimes we don't just understand his love. So he starts verse 19 by telling us a little bit about his love. This is love. Look, we love. Why do we love? Because he first did what? Loved us. We looked at that already, right? We, not that we love God, but that he loved us. But what he's saying here is something different. He's saying divine love starts with God, not with us. And if we could love, it's because of God, not because of us. And here's what he says, and, and I love this. This is amazing. Look what somebody said here. God in love. This, this is beautiful. Look at this. First thought of us before the dawn of time. When did God think of you? Before eternity even came into existence. Look at this. At the cross, you know what he did? He bought us. That didn't stop there. Look at this. And then he sought us. <laughs> that, that blows my mind. I tell people the very fact that God has put you into my life is showing that he loves you and he is seeking after you. He's seeking you. He sought us. Guess what? He didn't just see. He caught us. That's even amazing, huh? I was running from God. He thought of me. He bought me. He sought me and he got me. Unbelievable. I love Philippians 3.12 where Paul says, you know what? I, I want to live my whole life to get the one who got me. God goes after us. And guess what? He caught us. <laughs> the very fact that you're saved shows that he caught you. And guess what? He doesn't stop there. And he brought us into his kingdom. Isn't that beautiful? You say, what about God's love that should just stir my heart? Just think about this. He thought about you before the dawn of time. And on the cross, he bought you. And then he sought you and caught you. And now he brought you into his kingdom. And you're worried about hell? You've missed it. You've missed it. See, perfect love casts that all out. Perfect love understands that God loves us. But perfect love doesn't stop right there. Perfect love flows right through us. And see, here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem. People love this. And they go, wow, praise God. Oh, I just love God. Oh, I love God. Oh, I love God. People I hate. I love God. People I hate. I love God. Look what he says in verse 20. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a what? Oh, ho, ho. There's some big lies. You ever have big lies, little lies, medium lies, white lies, whatever they are, big lies. You want to see some big lies here in John? Here's some big lies in John. What are some big lies in John? Here's one big lie, the moral lie. These are the people that say, oh, I know God. I have fellowship with God. Yet I walk in immorality and darkness and I can care less about anything. And I just want to live my life. God, John says, you're a liar. You can't say you know God and have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness. That's a lie. Look at the next lie. There's a doctrinal lie. People say, oh, I have, I have God the Father. It's Jesus who's different. I don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible. I can care less about Jesus. And, and what does John say? You're a lie. You can't have the Father without having the Son. You need the Son. And then here's a, here's a social lie. Here's the ones who claim to love God and yet they hate their brother. They're liars. Now, let me ask you a question. Who's easier to love, God or, or people? This seems like a simple one. How many of you say God is easier to love? Come on. <laughs> you would think that John would say that here, wouldn't you? 
Watch what he does. He like hits us right in the face. He's like, you think you love God and God's easy to love? Look, look at the next verse. Look what he says here. He says, for the one who does not love his brother whom he what? He sees. He starts with man first. He's saying that's where it starts. You, you, you say you love God. Okay, love the people he created. The ones you can see. Oh man, if I just didn't see them, maybe I could love them better. He starts with the lesser and goes to the greater. He goes, he goes. all right, let's start with the less here, the least here. Let's start with the ones you see. How are you doing there? Want to take a test here? All right, then we'll go to the one, then we'll go to God. God's next. But let's start with people we could see. Whoa, now I'm in trouble. I remember sometimes I just, I don't think straight and I do things that are, I remember when we had a cousin come to the house and I said to my father, because the grandmother, it wasn't even our house, it was his, his, uh, his mother-in-law's house. And she goes, where is she going to live? And I said, well, she can live with us. Well, who's going to pay her rent? I'll pay her rent. Okay, you'll pay her rent. Next day I hear, Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. I go down. I go, yeah, dad. He goes, Jimmy, you going to pay your cousin's rent? I go, yeah, I'm going to pay rent. Hey, Jimmy, are you paying rent? No, I'm not paying rent. So, Jeremy, you're going to pay rent for somebody who you're, you're not even paying rent, but you're going to pay rent for somebody else. Does that make sense, Jeremy? Uh, I didn't think of it that way, Dad. I was kind of just want to pay rent for somebody else. I wasn't even paying rent for myself. That didn't make sense. That's the same person saying, oh, I just love God. But I don't want to love the people I see. Doesn't make sense. It starts with them. In fact, here's the amazing thing here. If you really and me, if I really want to love God, I need to love the people that he created. Watch this here. Because here's what he says here. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen, watch this, verse 20, cannot, cannot, is not able to love God whom he has not seen. It's impossible. We can't say it. We can't say we love a God that we haven't seen when we're not loving the people that we do see. It's impossible. And so what does he tell us to do? Verse 21. Again, he's going to tell us the same thing. This is the command we have from that one that the one who loves God should do what? Should love his brother. All right, we've heard enough of this. We've heard this so many times. Give me some practical ways to do it. Thank you for asking. Here you go. I'm going to give you 170 ways to do it. Watch this. This is beautiful. If I'm going to love the person I see, that means I'm going to contribute to the needs of others. I'm going to see a need. I'm going to meet a need. That's love. Romans 12. If I'm going to love, that means I'm going to open up my home to people. Some people don't like people to see their space. You know what? It's good to open up your home to people and let them in. If I'm going to truly love people who I see, I'm going to use my spiritual gifts to serve others. Galatians 5 says, don't use your liberty as a cloak for the flesh. Use your liberty to serve others in love. I like this one, Ephesians 4. If I'm going to love people, I'm going to cut people slack. Can you imagine if God treated us the way we treat some people? Especially on the road when they cut us off. Any amens? <laughs> Let me tell you something. I got to constantly tell people, around, cut people slack, will you? Our God cuts people slack. Yes. 
He can destroy us in a moment if He wanted to. And so it, it, it's hard. I remember we had a Sunday school class where we were showing those videos up. This was years ago. And I remember one lady getting really mad and just beating up that class and just getting so mad at the teacher. And the teacher's like, finally, you cut me slack? If I love people, I'm going to cut them slack. God is patient with me. I need to be patient with others. And if I love people, guess what? I'm going to make it a point to be at church so I can encourage others to live for God. Why are we here? We're not just here to hear a message. We are here to encourage others to live for God as well. Look at this. This is, this is beautiful. Max Lucado talks about a young kid named Chad. I love this. A shy, quiet little boy. One day he came home and he told his mother he'd like to make Valentine's cards for everyone in the class. Her heart sank. I wish he wouldn't do that, she thought. She had watched the children when they walked home from school. Her Chad was always behind them. They laughed and hung on to each other and talked to each other, but Chad was never included. Nevertheless, she decided to go along with her son. And so she purchased the paper, the glue, the crayons, the three, and for three whole weeks... Night after night, Chad made 35 Valentines. Valentine's Day dawned and Chad was frantic with excitement. He carefully placed the Valentines in a bag and bolted out the door. His mom decided, listen, his mom decided to bake his favorite cookies because she knew he would be disappointed when he came home from school. It hurt her to think that he wouldn't get many Valentines, maybe none at all. That afternoon, she had cookies and milk on the table. Finally, when she heard their voices, she looked out the window to see the children laughing and having the best time. As usual, there was Chad in the rear, but walking a little faster than usual. She fully expected him to burst into tears when he got inside. His arms were empty, not one valentine. She choked back the tears. Honey, I got some warm cookies and milk for you, she said, but he hardly heard her words. He just marched right by, his face glowing, and all he could say is this, not a one, not a one. The mother's heart sank. Then he added, I didn't forget one, not a single one. You see, that made him happy. And let me just tell you, Jesus did not forget a single one of us when he died on the cross. Not a one. It's not about what we get. It's about what we give. And as love is flowing through us, it's amazing how it reaches its goal and we have confidence before God. And that fear that one day maybe we may go to hell, we could just kick right out the door because we've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now let me warn you here, and I say this with love. If you haven't been saved by the blood of Jesus, today's the day. You should fear. You should be scared. Because hell is not a place you want to go. But he came and died in your place, was buried and rose again, and all who call upon him will be saved. Yes. Yes. So don't wait. You can do that right now, right where you are. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that your love has a goal. The goal is not just to reach us, but the goal is to flow through us to other people. 
And while we are doing that and experiencing and expressing your love, there is confidence that we have in the day of judgment. So Lord, I pray if there's anyone here that doesn't have that confidence, that is living in fear, that is worried about what will happen to them after they die, that today would be the day, right now, where they are, they would open up their heart to you and say, Lord, I, I believe that Jesus died for my sins, was buried and rose again. And I ask him to come into my life and save me. I don't trust in anything else but him alone. So come and save me. If you've never said that, right now's the time. Open your heart to God. And if you have, my question to you is, why are you fearing eternal judgment when you've been saved by the blood of Christ? Remember, God's love has a goal, and His goal is to kick those fears out the door. So right now where you are, stand secure in the very fact that God loves you. He's, he thought of you. He went to the cross and bought you. He sought you and caught you. And he brought you into his kingdom. What a wonderful God we have. Rest in his love. And then allow that love to flow to others. It starts with the lesser and then the greater. Start with the people who are in your path. And show them the love of God. Thank you, Father, for this wonderful passage. Use it, Lord. Continue to use it in our lives. Lord, I don't know all the fears here today, but you do. So God, I pray that by your love, you will cast them out. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.